Welcome to New Sound Church's weekly podcast. We are a church located in Palm Beach County, Florida, and we are so glad that you're listening to this week's message from our pastor, Pastor Josh Mani. For more information about New Sound Church, you can visit our website at www.newsound.church and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Well, all right, hey, and welcome to New Sound Church. If you're checking us out, maybe for the very first time, a special welcome to you. My name's Josh Monet, and I have the privilege, actually, of serving here as the lead pastor. And you may not know this, especially if you're brand new, but we are now one church that meets in two locations. So can you join me right now in welcoming Jupiter and Wellington? Man, it's awesome. Man, we love you guys, our new Jupiter family. It's just, oh, man, it's just great. It's just I'm blown away by the stories and I heard about even uh, people going through Explore and the amount of people in small groups and you're not waiting to be a church. You're not about to be a church in the Jupiter Gardens area. You're already a church and it's just, man, it's exciting and I'm, I'm proud of you. And so I just wanna encourage you, just keep taking steps. I, I love the leadership there in, in Jupiter and I'm just proud of them and what, what God's doing. And I'm proud of you for taking steps and for being here today and so, um, so welcome, and, and hey, if you're checking us out online, I, I want you to know that we love that you're watching online. We think that's fantastic, but we'd love it even better if you were here with us. And so you can check out our website, newsound.church, and find a location near you where you can come check us out and come be with us. We, we, we pray that it's gonna be worth it because I'm gonna tell you everything that we do from the streets to the seats, it's for you. It's for people that we haven't even met yet. and. Uh, and I'm just so excited for, for you and, and for the opportunity to be here uh, with you this way. And I just, I'm, I'm just kind of thankful that there's, you know, there's no distance in the spirit that God can use even this moment right now via video connected. And so, hey, you may not know this to my Jupiter family. I'm a high participation preacher. That means I work off of amens. So if you don't amen, I go longer. So if you want me to stop, just say amen. And all God's people said, good, good, good. Come on, Jupiter. You got to do better than that. So here we go. Uh, last week we kind of came to you and we said, listen, the Bible uh, never said that. We, we, and we, we kind of talked about some things that maybe some misnomers like, hey, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness, aren't you? For all the middle school boys, praise God. Um, the Bible never said that. And, and man, aren't you, uh, aren't you, aren't you thankful that Though the Bible does tell us to honor your mother and father. And so mamas, you told them to go home and take a shower anyway. And listen, uh, we, we, what we really took a look at last week was that this idea that um, uh, we sometimes have been swayed by the theology of happy, that we've been chasing around happy. And uh, I want you to know that God wants even more uh, for you than happy. He wants you blessed. And man, if you missed that last week, go online and, and check out that message. We'd love for you to do that. But we kind of want to continue in the idea and it would be this. And I maybe maybe of the whole series, maybe the most important thought, maybe the one that I've heard quoted the most. I've actually seen people hold this up like as a badge of honor, like uh, that somehow we could be strong enough to withstand anything because we will say this. God won't give you more than you can handle. Hashtag blessed. Right? So we like, we love to say stuff like that, but I actually came to tell you today that uh, God 
frequently gives you more uh, than you can handle. Anybody ever had kids? I mean, come on, any parent with a two-year-old knows God will absolutely give you more than you can handle. Some of you are in seasons right now where like it's really hard. Um, you're, you're planning for a wedding and you're working your way through school and you got jobs and bills and responsibilities and you're going, man, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. And I came here to tell you that if you're getting frustrated maybe with God or with your life, I need you to know the Bible never said that God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Some of you are kind of aging or maybe you have a different season of life. You're, you find your parents are aging and now you're taking care of kids and you're taking care of mom and dad and, 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 but you still got church responsibilities and, and job responsibilities and life responsibilities and it's just hard to tell if you're making anybody happy and I came here to tell you that the Bible never said that God won't give you more than you can handle. Maybe you're going through some stuff at school, middle school, or you're a high school, or you're a college student. Maybe you haven't found your crowd yet. You know, it's tough. You know, I don't, I don't wish that. I, I don't, you know, some people say high school, you know, they're the best days of your life. And uh, man, I don't know what high school you went to, uh, but it was not mine because uh, high school was awful. Uh, you just spent most of the time trying to pass a math test and get a girl to kiss you. And I'm just telling you, it's just, it's just awful. It's just not the best that God can do uh, in your life. And, uh, but some of you are in that season right now and you're just stressed all the time. I want you to know the Bible never said that God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. Don't believe me? Take AP calculus. You know, so it's just like, you, like you're constantly gonna get more than you can handle. I mean, I think well-meaning Christians, we say a lot of stuff that just really doesn't show up uh, in the Bible. How about this one? Um, if, if, hey, if God closes a door, he opens Come on, he opens a window, right, right? And the Bible never said that. Um, how, about, uh, how about this one? God helps those that help themselves, right? Yeah, no, Bible never, Bible never said that. And we'll say, God, he, he won't give you more than you can handle. We quote a verse sometimes to defend it, and it would be this one. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, uh, uh, 10, 13, it says, God is faithful, okay? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out. So um, he didn't say that like, he, you wouldn't have life situations that weren't more than you could bear. He didn't say you wouldn't be busy and your schedule wouldn't be overloaded. He didn't say that you were gonna have to make incredibly difficult choices about who to please and when in, your, in different seasons of your life. He actually said that when temptation comes, when the reality is to compromise uh, uh, and live a life on pressure instead of principles, he said he's gonna, th there'll be a way out. There, he's gonna not tempt you more than you can handle, but it, the Bible never said that you wouldn't have to carry more than you can handle alone. Look at what David wrote in the Psalms my guilt, this is a guy that had stepped outside of his marriage. This is a guy that had made some pretty bonehead mistakes and he's feeling it. And he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. He's saying, God, I have more than I can handle. I'm exhausted and I'm completely crushed. Some of you are in here today and you feel exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. And you go, well, that's David. That's just a, a mere man, just like me or you. I mean, I get that somebody could be going through a tough time, but I want you to look at what Jesus said, the son of God. Jesus began to be deeply distressed 
and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus said this as he was preparing to be betrayed and go to the cross. He was actually, we actually see moments here of depression from Jesus. And this isn't in the notes. This is free. I actually just maybe came here to tell you if you're dealing with depression, if my Jesus can admit when he's depressed, I want you to know that this church will always be a place where it is safe for you to admit that you're depressed. If my Jesus doesn't have to pretend like things are okay when they're not, you do not have to come in here and pretend like things are okay when they're not. If you're hurting, if you're sad, if you're sick, if you're depressed, if you're thinking negative thoughts, this is the house to come to to get help. This was built so that you could find hope and healing and freedom in Jesus' name, and you do not have to walk around with that by yourself anymore. Come on, can you give God a good hand of praise? He's good and he made this church. He let us start a church to be that for you. And I'm glad uh, that you're here today. So here, that begs the question, why? Why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? Why would God even do that? And I think that there's a couple of reasons I'm going to give them to you now. The first, and if you're taking notes, man, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, Write this down. Yeah, come on. He wants you to depend on his presence. He wants you to depend on his presence. Jonah, he's had a bad day. He leaves. He's, uh, he's found himself in the mouth of a whale. He's been disobedient to God. Some of you have been swallowed up by disobedience. And you're here today and you feel this way. And he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. When life is hard, I promise you, you want to know the answer to where is God? And sometimes God will allow moments in our life of overwhelming chaos and busyness and maybe just even wait so that we will lean in to his presence more than anything else in the world, more than he wants you to be happy, more than he wants everything to be perfect all of the time. God understands that there is heaven and this isn't heaven. What he wants right now is what he's always wanted from the beginning is community with you. He wants relationship and connection with you. And things will come that he doesn't send. That's not the God that I serve and that we came in here to worship today, but Sometimes God and his sovereignty will allow moments in our life so that we can say, God, in my distress, as my life was ebbing away, my prayers rose to you. I didn't want anything else but you. I didn't need a better job, God. I didn't need a paycheck. I didn't need a boot. I didn't need, God, my prayers went to you. Don't let the presence, come on somebody, of a storm cause you to believe in the absence of God. The presence of a storm doesn't mean that God's not there. And in Jonah's life and in your life and Noah's life and these men's life that had to step into tough situations, just because the boat is rocking, just because there are clouds in the sky, just because you're a little overwhelmed in this season doesn't mean that God's forgotten about you. And so I would encourage you to do this just as Jonah did, call on him. 
Call on him. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who, look at this, call on him. Just say, Father, God, I need you here. I've got more than I can handle. I need you. When we were pregnant with Jacob, he's my oldest. And hey, come on, can, can you help me show a little love to my man? He turns 10 years old today. Come on, give him some love. 10 year old Jakey, I love you, buddy. You are the pride and the joy of my life. I love you, I'm so proud of you. But you were giving me some fits even before you got here in the world. Kim was pregnant, she was well along in the pregnancy and, and I don't remember where we were. You know how pregnancy goes, right? In your first, in your first pregnancy, like mama, she can't wait to get in maternity clothes. She's never owned them stretchy pants before. She puts them on a little too early and she's always trying to pull them up because they just a little too early. And then the second one, uh, the second baby, um, you uh, wait too long to get in the maternity clothes. You pretending that it's not really going and you using rubber bands and stuff to hold everything together. And then, um, and then by the third kid, uh, your maternity clothes, they're just your regular clothes. And um, you just wear those around all the time. And, and um, <laughs> we have four kids and, and Jacob, was, um, Jacob was on the way. We're about 28, 29 weeks along with Jacob and uh, Kim. Uh, we're leaving church and she, I look back and as we're walking out of church on a Saturday night, she's dragging her leg. And um, we panic. I, I get her in the hospital. I get her to the hospital. I get her in the emergency room. They do the ultrasounds. They do the tests. They do the thing. And, and they got her laying down. And I see the doctors. And they got this really concerned look on their face. And we're in this little small town. And, and this doctor looks really concerned. And, and what we find out is she has a blood clot, a large blood clot that goes all the way up in her thigh. And it's, and it's big. And they're very scared because the fear is that the, the blood clot breaks loose and then goes to the lungs and the heart and, and it, could, it could kill Kim and even the baby. And in fact, it was in that moment, they, the doctor pulled me outside and I'll never forget um, the tone in this doctor's voice. The doctor said, there's a good chance we can save the baby. And I went, whoa, there's two people in there. I need the full story. And... And they told me what was going on and the doctor looked very concerned and I didn't know what else to do. I hit my knees. And in that moment, all I wanted, I was begging for a touch from God on my anguished soul and a touch from God on my wife's hurting body. And in that moment, I, you couldn't have offered me a million dollars. You couldn't have said, I'll build you a bigger house. Uh, you couldn't have offered me the nicest job. You couldn't have put me in the coolest island resort in the world to make what I was feeling in that moment go away. All I wanted was a touch from God and a touch from God on my wife. And when you are going through something, God doesn't wish pain on you, but what he desires in a fit of anguish, in a moment of of pain is just to lean in to him. He wants you to experience the comfort of his presence in a moment of pain. And then I will give you this. The second thing that God wants you to understand is that he wants you to experience his presence. But then, but then this is how good he is. But when you lean into him, when it's broken, he wants you to experience his power. See, um, he didn't just heal my wife in that moment and Jacob was delivered and great. And then we went on to have three more babies after that and, and no more babies uh, in Jesus' name because uh, 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 if, if I leave a pair of dirty pants on the bed in my house, Kim is pregnant. And so I'm done. 
I'm done. I'm like, I'm done. I can't have any more kids. People say, man, you have four kids. You must love kids. No, I love my wife. Um, I love my wife. My kids are fine, but I love my wife. And, um, and he wants to, he wants you, he really wants you. He wants you to experience his power. He wants, a, he wants to touch your situation. And I would say it like this, until God is all you have. In that moment in the hospital, he was all I had. Until God is all you have, you'll never realize that he's all you need. And in that moment, God, I just, once you, you touch my soul, you touch my wife, there's nothing else in the world that I need than you. He wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to experience his power. I will be given more than I can handle alone. I will constantly. And I want to show you here of a moment that I think is pivotal for us as we understand how to experience this ourselves. Real quick in the time that we have left, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. Meanwhile, Saul, who was a, he was, he was, he was, he was trying to kill every Christian in the world. The first Christian ever killed was killed at the feet of the man named Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is what they called Christians, in the beginning they called them the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked this question, and it's the most important question of his life. It will be the most important question of your life. It is one that you will ask now, today, or it is something that you will ask in the final moments of your life. And my whole point to everybody always has always been, if at the very end of this thing, because I don't believe that there are atheists in foxholes, if at the very end of this life you will trust and hope that we don't just close our eyes and become food for worms, if at the end of this life you will trust that there is something beyond this life, if at the end of this life you will put your hope and your trust in a God, then why not put your hope and trust in a God in the middle of your life where you can actually do something with the information that you have. He fell to his knees and he said, who are you, Lord? You're gonna have to ask yourself the same question. And in that moment, Jesus reveals himself on the road to Damascus. And this guy, Saul, who is a persecutor of Christians, becomes Paul. Paul would go on to give us 60% of the New Testament. Most of what we understand doctrinally in the faith of Christianity would come from this man who in a moment changed his life all the way around. Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. In verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. I'm gonna tell you how many of you know, like I don't believe that God exists because I read about him in a book. I don't believe that God exists because uh, I heard about him uh, by a TV preacher. I'm gonna tell you what, I believe that God exists because he changed me. And a person with an argument, a person with a testimony is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And at that moment, Saul, who is now Paul, walks out and he now has a testimony that is his story to tell. If you're having trouble trying to help people understand what it is that God's done in your life, just tell them your story. You may not know all the apologetics and the answers to every question. You don't know how they got the dinosaurs on the ark and you're not really sure what Moses did and how they got the frogs on the beach with Pharaoh and the rivers turned to blood. You can't 
can't answer. There's a lot you don't understand, but what you know is you've experienced his presence and his power and he's touched you and you need to tell somebody your story. So he begins preaching and all those who heard him were astonished and they asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He just was preaching his guts out. And after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. He learned of their plan. And day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. They help him escape. They help him escape the city so that he isn't killed. And this guy who had become, who was the most elite religious member of, the, of his community in that day is now sitting in a basket being lowered down a wall. And he had to be thinking in that moment, my God, my God, this is not what I thought. I thought, give my life over to you. I'll start like Apostle Paul, like, Worldwide evangelism ministries, like you do a couple of book deals, go on Oprah. Like this is not what I thought. And now what I'm doing is sitting in a basket. I'm an adult man in a basket. And I'm just just going down a wall like a ride at Disney World. And I have to be thinking in my head in that moment, this is not, this is not what I thought I was signing up for. But I think that there are some things that kept him in the game in that moment. Because how many of you would agree when people are pursuing you, trying to kill you, when people are pursuing you, trying to take your life from you, in that moment, like what's happening to him, in that moment, Paul was experiencing more than he could handle. How are you gonna be encouraged and how do you make it through it? In the time we have left, let me give you a couple of thoughts. The first, you're gonna have to figure out a way to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Look what Paul would write sometime later to the church in Rome. Same guy, same guy, basket man. He was a basket case. Get it? No, nothing? That was too easy? Nah, let's keep going. So Romans chapter eight, it says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to to his purpose. It says that the spirit will help when we don't know what else to do. And that in this moment that you could be encouraged by the counselor, by the comforter that Jesus sent to mend up broken hearts, heal us when we're hurting and let us know, God, it's going to be okay, my son and my daughter. See, you thought that the world would never give you more than you can handle. I actually came here today to tell you, you will constantly receive more than you can handle, but take heart because the Holy Spirit, the same that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is actually here right now, wants to live in you. And in the moments where you don't feel like you can make it, it is the Spirit that will make you strong when you feel weak. In fact, Paul would go on to say later in his life, I actually now boast in my weakness. I actually am now thankful that I don't have it all together because it's in those moments that I get to understand the full power and the majesty of my God. I'm gonna be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And then come on, number two, I'm gonna be encouraged by friends. 
I'm gonna be encouraged by friends. I'm gonna get more than I can handle. You will be given more than you can handle alone, I promise, I promise. But you can be encouraged by the Spirit and you can be encouraged by friends. Paul has just been converted. He's not become the great Paul of the Bible. And in this moment, he's now going to be introduced to the disciples. Now, they've only ever known Paul as the murderer of Christians. They don't know Paul, the preacher, the church planter, the evangelist, the theologian. They don't know that Paul. And in Acts chapter nine, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they're going, you gotta be outside your daggone mind, man. That's like a, that's the redneck paraphrase. That's not in your, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They knew, they thought this was a trick, but look at this verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul was on his journey and had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Acts chapter four, I need you to see who this Barnabas guy is because I'm gonna tell you, everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. When they didn't believe that Paul had converted, when they thought that maybe there was something fishy about this whole situation, it was Barnabas that stepped up and said, no, he's one of the good guys. And I saw him preaching his guts out and we gotta get behind this guy so that he can be great. Acts chapter four, in the 36th verse, it tells us who Barnabas actually is. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles, they gave him a nickname called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he put it at the apostles' feet. Romans 15, five, if I have a verse for my life, I want it to be this verse. May the God who gives endurance, you got, you can't quit, and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. You better give max effort with a great attitude. Don't quit, don't quit, and be encouraged. And actually this word, encouraged, was the Greek word parakalis, and it literally meant this, it literally meant this. It literally meant the name Barnabas, son of encouragement. It literally meant to encourage. It literally meant it was a holy calling to come alongside another person and be their yes. If you're new to this church and you're trying to figure out who we are, let me tell you who we are. When I was first trying to get started in ministry, I had everybody on the planet tell me no. I did not come from any kind of preaching pedigree. I did not have the right kind of education at the time. In that moment, all I knew was God had changed me. I had experienced his presence and his power and I wanted the world to know. And I remember going to a leader and saying, I wanna start a church and I think I can do it. And I believe that God's put it on my heart and I would love your help. And he looked at me and said, you're not a good preacher. You're not a good leader. And I actually have serious doubts that you'll ever do anything great for God. 
and he snapped something in my spirit. And I actually started a church in Lexington. And I can tell you, it may be, to my knowledge, one of the only churches in the history of the world that was started completely out of spite. I'll show you. Now, God was faithful and that church grew and a lot of people gave their lives to him in that place. And then Kim and I had the opportunity to go and train hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of church planters to go do what we had done with success. And then I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I believe that I have one more church in my heart. It's the church that you're sitting in this morning. And I said, I have one more church in my heart and I just wonder uh, what you think. And in that moment, not knowing the words that had been spoken over me so many years earlier, he said, you're one of the best speakers I've ever listened to. You're one of the best young leaders I've ever been around. And I know if anybody's gonna do something great for God, it's gonna be you. Where are we going? And he took something off of me that somebody else's words had put on me. And in that moment, he became a son of encouragement. And I knew that this church was going to be more than I could handle. I knew going to South Florida was going to be harder than anything that I had ever done before. I knew that this was going to be tough ground and it was going to take a lot of work and a lot of resource and a lot of prayer and a lot of big faith and a lot of bold dreams. And it was going to take believing in a really big God under, uh, oh, un, un, in overwhelming circumstances. And I knew it was going to do all of those things. But I had encouragement from the Holy Spirit and I had an encouragement from a friend that spoke life into me and went farther than that every moment that I wanted to quit every moment that I fell short he would come alongside of me and say you got this you can do it you can do it you can do it some of you are stuck in the season of your life because you don't have a friend that's looking at you right now that can say you can do it and I'm here to tell you today if you don't have a friend that's telling you right now that you were made to do something great for God it's time to get new friends he wants you to do something great. He made you to do something great. This isn't for a few spiritual elite preachers that could start some churches and preach some messages. He made you to do it. And I came today to be the son of encouragement for you. And I want you to hear me say, if you, want, if you wanna know who I am and why we did this, and you wanna know who I am to my bones, I came here to be your yes. You want to start something? Pastor, how come we don't have a prison ministry? Because I've been waiting on you. Pastor, how come we don't have a women's ministry? I've been waiting on you. Pastor, how come we don't have like a midnight dog walking group for people that like to walk dogs in the dark? Because I've been waiting on you, baby. <laughs> come on, somebody just went, Jesus, something leapt in my spirit. I was like, oh. I'm about to get my chihuahua out at midnight. <laughs> it's a way to ruin a good moment, isn't it? <laughs> the son of encouragement said, I believe in you. And then Paul was sent to Tarsus. And for 14 years, he sat on the backside of the world doing nothing significant, but just sitting there feeling probably forgotten. For 14 years, Paul just went home. And then one day, in Acts chapter 11, 14 years later, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Oh, here he is again, the son of encouragement. And when he found him, 
He brought him to Antioch, the most happening joint in the world for what God was doing in the Christian movement at the time. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians now at Antioch. It took the son of encouragement. Can you imagine Paul sitting there making tents? That's what he did during the day. He's sitting there making a tent and he's minding his own business. For 14 years, he's been preaching what he can, but feeling forgotten about while the whole world seemed to be taking off around him, doing great things for God. Probably thinking on days about the moment that he was almost killed. Thinking about the moment that he first met Peter and James and John. Thinking about those moments. Thinking about how they never would have met him if not for the son of encouragement. And then he looks up. And of the hundreds of thousands of Christians now available in the world, the one that came walking to him in that moment was the encourager. And he looked up and he put down his tent and he stood up. It's time. And for some of you here today, somebody, a pastor, a friend, a brother, a relative, spoke something over you years ago. And I pray that I feel that I am with the spirit of Barnabas on me right now, that you would hear me say right now, it's time. You've been waiting long enough. The dream's been dormant long enough. Rise up, put your tent down and preach. Put your tent down, start a small group. Put your tent down and hold a baby. Put your tent down and hold open a door. Put your tent down and start the prison ministry. Put the tent down, put your tent down and get out and serve in the parking lot. Put your tent down and go out there and do some outreach. Put your tent down and go make some sandwiches for people that are homeless. Put your tent down and go raise money to go do something in the Bahamas. Put your tent down, it's time to rise up, my friend. It's time to rise up and this church came here to be in a Barnabas spirit, a son of encouragement for you and the dream on your life. God will give you more than you can handle alone, but with his Holy Spirit, with a great friend, you can make it. But how are we gonna do it? Let's close with this. I'm gonna be an encouragement to someone else. You see, at the end of the day, if you walk into every room hoping that everyone's going to encourage you, you will find yourself pretty quickly around here sorely disappointed. Because the reality is we wanna help you meet Jesus help you plug into a place where you can make a difference. And then we want your eyes up looking for somebody else to change. But that doesn't mean that you're not gonna go through hard days and experience things that are difficult. So how do you get through a tough day? How do you keep going when you've got too much to handle? The best way to get through a tough day is to help somebody else get through theirs. And when you're going through all kinds of obstacles and pain, when it's more than you think that you can handle. Get your eyes up off your own situation and look out to somebody else's. It's not going to make your problem go away. It's just going to give you vision past your problem. Jesus said in this life, you're gonna go through stuff, but take heart for I've overcome the world. In this life, you will have troubles, but take heart because there's somebody else out there that's going through tough stuff too today you could be the one you could be the one that gives them the word 
that allows them to put down their tent and you could help them rise up and do something great. See, I never even began to dream that I might be the next Billy Graham, but I believe that every time I preach, I might be talking to him. And so, if you're sitting in here today and you've been waiting on that word to go and that you're worthy, church, will you listen to me right now? It's time to put down your tents. It's time to rise up. Take the Holy Spirit in your heart. Take a friend by your side. And then go find somebody to make a difference in their life. You will be given more than you can handle alone. But together, Jesus said, take heart. For I've overcome the world. Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to minister in this moment. I thank you that there's no distance in the spirit. So right now in Wellington and right now in Jupiter and right now online, your Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. Right now, church, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would say today, Jesus, I've never given my life to you. God, there is sin in my life and I am at a distance from you. And you say, pastor, how do I fix the gap between me and God? It's this simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Jesus, I need you to make an introduction. I need to be reintroduced to the Father, and you're the only way. So I give you my life. It's real simple. God, I acknowledge the sin in my life. There's brokenness that separated you from God. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to live a perfect life. Jesus, you lived perfectly. You were a model of selflessness and servanthood. You went to the cross to pay for all of my sins, but you didn't just die for me. You got back up. It's proof in guys like Paul. You change people's lives. And so God, today, I commit my life to you. Be my Lord and my Savior. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as your location pastor comes to the platform, I want you just to stay right here in this posture. We're not going to bring you down front. We're not going to whisk you off to some double top secret prayer room. Just right there in your seat. Your pastor is going to pray for you right there to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And then they're going to give you some next steps as you continue in this journey. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, birth out dreams in this this place. God, help us to put down our tents and be encouraged. Church right there with heads bowed and eyes closed as we lead in this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Change me today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message from Pastor Josh Bonney. If your life has been impacted by today's message, we would love for you to share your story with us by emailing story at newsound.church. Join us again next week for another inspirational message from New Sound Church.